Christmas. Ten o'clock. IBC presents live via satellite from New York, Bethlehem, Helsinki, West Berlin, and the Great Barrier Reef. Charles Dickens' immortal Christmas classic, Scrooge, starring Buddy Hackett, Jamie Farr, the Solid Gold Dancers, and Mary Lou Retton as Tiny Tim. Hosted by Sir John Houseman. Scrooge, it will touch your every heartstring. That's right, it all starts on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve on IBC. You'll love it. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? We have spent $40 million on a live TV show. You guys have got an ad with America's favorite old fart reading a book in front of a fireplace. I'm warning you, Frank. Don't waste your life as I did mine. Waste? How can you say that? You're a legend in this business. You're the man who invented the miniseries. Mankind should have been my business. I'm going to give you some advice, Claire. Scrape them off. You want to save somebody? Save yourself. Oh, well, that's a wonderful attitude to have on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Bahama. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in Ease. It's your host, Steve Spears. And today, we're going to do our ninth. Nine times. Nine times. Ninth, can you believe it, Christmas and holiday edition of our podcast. This year, we finally get to honor my personal favorite holiday flick of the 1980s, Scrooged. Oh, my gosh. Does that suck? With me this year in the workshop to help me build a podcast episode that both the naughty and the nice fans will enjoy, it's Brad Williams from L.A. Ho, 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 ho. You're a mean one, Mr. Spears. What uh, drink condiment do you have tonight? Do you uh, have one? You know, I'm just having water. I'm kind of in the time between alcoholic beverages. Cause, you know, I'll have some when we finish, probably. Okay, that's good. And then also joining Brad is everyone's favorite actor slash 80s fan who never fails to show up and help us make sense of the 80s movies. It's Marty Yu. Bah, humbug. <laughs> I mean, hello. Did I forget something, big man? God blesses everyone. So, okay, I, I've already kind of uh, let the cat out of the bag and said, this is my favorite uh, Christmas movie of the 80s. I'm betting that I'm the only one who will agree to that. I think you might be right. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite Christmas movie from the 80s. Well, I'll, Ernest, have, to, I'll Ernest? have to decide right now, I guess. Well, a lot of people go with uh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Eh. That's a Vogue pick or a Christmas Story. I mean, Christmas Story is the easy one. That's one I watch every year now, but I wasn't a fan of that in the 80s. Why weren't you a fan of it then? Because I'd never seen it. Oh, that's interesting. Awkward. Well, yeah. I just, I, you know, I, I just didn't ever see it. It was a movie about some little kid, and I wasn't a little kid, so I didn't want to see that. Aha, it's the Goonies theory all over again. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. It's, it's I, fine. I mean, I like I, it now. We watch it every year. I love it. It's hilarious, but uh, it just wasn't going to connect. I wasn't going to connect with that material when I was, you know, what, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. I, I, think, I think there's a... Um, there's a there's an amount of time you can see any movie to the point where it gets wearisome, and to me, a Christmas story has hit that. 
You know, when you have sure. 24 hour marathons, like, you know, for 15 years straight, you've hit. You are allowed to change the channel, Steve. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's just a whole new saying. world out there. Well, luckily, luckily, there's always Santa Claus the movie. So. Oh, with Dudley Moore. I'm an elf. An elf? Yes. You mean, like, a fairy? You know, a few years ago, I did a list for the blog of favorite Christmas movies of the 80s. And I swear to God, it, it, it goes from great movies to the worst movies all within the top 10. <laughs> they're, just, they're not that many. I mean, you've got you know, the ones we've mentioned and like Prancer. And you know, that's about yeah. it. And, and I think there is – I think you were kidding. But I think there is an Ernest movie in there. Ernest Saves Christmas. That is among the ones. I had, that actually cracked my top 10 because I had to like leave Santa Claus the movie for the teens. That is a thin, that is a thin talent pool you got it's right really there. really bad. Once you get out of the f- top four – and then even then you have to start, start start saying, well, Die Hard. Die Hard happened during Christmas. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah, what about – if we're going to go there, then I'm, I'm going to take um, – Trading ah. Places. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. How you doing? It's Fair Ball, One Veterans of Change. My mama needs a life. Oh, Trading Places or Better Off Dead? Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, why so, do you yeah. have to be so small? I don't even think that made my list. But today we're gathered around the fire to talk about Scrooged, uh, which is celebrating its epic 25th anniversary this year. Does it seem like this movie is 25 years old, or does it seem older or younger to you? I'd say 25 sounds just about right. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it does. It's uh, very much of the 80s. I will give you that. Yeah, very much of the the latter part of all the those 80s. all those yeah. big four by three TVs on the wall. I'm like, whoa, look at that! Aren't you supposed to be in the studio? We're on the air. Hey. Back off, big man. That may work with the checks, but not with me. So Scrooge was released November 23rd, 1988, obviously based on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, although they don't say that in the movie. What they say is... Boy, it's hard to figure that one out, too. No, 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 no. But they say, but they, say they call it Scrooge. Oh, that's true. They the call movie. it Scrooge. They never say A Christmas Carol in the entire movie. Um, produced, directed by Richard Donner, and original music, which I did not know, by Danny Elfman. Wow. That's... Is that early for him? Is that one of his first movies? Yeah, it would be about right when he was getting started. So Beetlejuice would have been about that era. Um, so, so he's just, but it's obviously pretty bouncy, and you can kind of now that you know that, and you go back and you watch it, you'll be like, ah, okay. Well, Richard Donner didn't come on until later because Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donohue were the writers, um, and they knew Bill Murray from Saturday Night Live. And uh, they had been developing it for a while before Dick Donner came on. Hmm. That's that is correct. Yeah. Um, obviously, in the movie Bill Murray, Bill Murray plays Frank Cross, a uh, cold-hearted TV programming executive whose career has cost him his uh, true love, Claire, played by the great Karen Allen, and also alienated him from his younger brother James, portrayed by Murray's uh, real-life brother John Murray. And uh, one of the one of the pieces of uh, trivia for this movie has always been that this is one of the few movies that where every one of Bill Murray's brothers appears in some form the his brothers who act his brothers who act his acting brothers how many brothers does he have i think he has like five brothers okay. wow. three, three of some them are cho- in this movie okay well there you go see huh. this is why we have you i'm just it's, making up numbers it's the <laughs> it's got 27 <laughs> sisters and 14 first cousins so um to, i don't know about you guys but to me i don't mind i mean Romeo and Juliet is a, is a storyline that gets made over and over and over into a billion different movies. But I don't tire of the Christmas Carol being adapted over and over again. Well, you know, it's funny because when I, I was thinking this has to be the most 
remade story or recast story. And then I then the Shakespeare occurred to me. I'm like, yeah, probably right. Romeo and Juliet probably takes it. But um, yeah, there are so many versions of this. And if you don't like the story, then you know you really can't complain because you know exactly what's coming. I, I don't mind it. In fact, um, I think it was last year, or the year before, I mentioned that probably my all time favorite um, Christmas Carol adaptation was. Um, circa 1980, I think it was 1979-1978, starring Henry Winkler, and it was called An American Christmas Carol, and it's the whole spiel, but it's based in like the 1800s, and uh, Winkler plays uh, Scrooge, as opposed um, to the as opposed to being set in the 1800s in Victorian England. Correct. When it was actually set, or it might actually be early 1900s, but he makes furniture. And that, that's his dream is to make furniture. So, uh, but it's a great movie. In fact, I, last year, um, right around Christmas time, I sent away. I was living by myself here in Orlando. I had just moved here, and I was feeling kind of like no holiday spirit whatsoever. So I, I got onto Amazon.com and I ordered Scrooge, uh, apparently on Blu-ray, which was a mistake. And I found and ordered an American Christmas Carol. Huh. And did it hold up? Yeah, you know, because I mean, it's been that long. When I see a movie that I haven't seen that long, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost automatically trans, you know, transported to that, back to that time. So it, it doesn't bother me so much. If I, if I watched it today for the first time, it'd probably be awful. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the, Charles Dickens was basically, when he wrote this, he was, I don't know, how do you, who would you compare him to? He was the John Grisham, the Stephen uh, King, the Stephen King, the George R. R. Martin. I mean, he was extraordinarily popular in his in his life and i think he wrote this to pay some bills and then essentially you know did christmas touring every year did readings of it um you know for ever i don't know i guess not ever he eventually died but uh <laughs> i mean this was just like this podcast it's kind of funny. yeah exactly <laughs> and we'll edit that out um it, it's interesting i didn't really think about that or realize how much of a kind of a literary rock star of such a thing is possible in the 1800s he really was and and that he wrote this like i need some money let's see how about a story about christmas this will be good that holds up for two yeah. years it's yeah. just it's bizarre in that sense in this version we have uh Murray being visited by the ghost of his former boss, played by John Forsythe. Um, I yeah. loved hearing John Forsythe's voice when I watched yeah. Sick in the Head. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's John Forsythe. It's, it's Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> and don't, yeah. doesn't he drink? Uh, isn't uh, Murray always drinking a tab and vodka? In this yeah, state? he's drinking yes. the. Can we call that the Scrooge? I'd like a Stolian tab, please. <laughs> and it just and like it just has less and less tab as the movie goes on. They must have only had one can. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever used Tab as a mixer? I can't say that I have. No. No, no I, I'm no I have I... drunk my fair share of Tab. Yeah, I love Tab, but I, I don't think I've ever used it as a mixer. So, so my sister just moved to Florida, and she was amazed to see Tab in the store there. Yeah, we still have it here. Nothing dies in Florida except the people. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but they're really well preserved by all that saccharin, though. Yeah, that's exactly true. Um, so the Ghost of Christmas Past, played by... Anybody? Um, Buster Poindexter? Yeah, Buster Poindexter. That's my Yeah, answer. a.k.a. J- David Johansson. What's he billed as? Is, is he billed as D- uh, David Johansson or I Buster would, Poindexter? I bet he's – that was pre – or no, I guess it, it's about that same no, period of time. about the same time. I'm going to bet he was credited as David Johansson because yeah. uh, he, he sure as heck looks like yeah. David Johansson. According to IMDb, he was credited as David Johansson. And, Excellent. of course, he was the lead singer of the New York Dolls, the yeah. seminal glam 
you know punk rock band. I had a chance to, yeah, I had a chance. He came, they they toured a few years ago. I had a chance to interview him for the podcast, and I decided against it. Is I, I mean, not to be, I don't know. I I've probably turned down maybe a dozen interviews over the years, but this was one where I was just like, I I don't I don't know that I can't name more than one or two songs. Yeah, and I just well, kind of felt like he would tear me apart. Who is who are the other ones that you like that you regretted turning down? Oh, um, I probably could have interviewed um, Johnny Rotten when he came around last mm, time. Wow, that oh, just he's is, a, yeah, that's he's a, a notoriously one. tough interview. I would bet he uh, would be difficult. Yeah, you're gonna have to edit some of the silence out of this. Uh, I'm trying to think. No, it's good. It gives the listeners a true insight <laughs> to, to how your brain works. To how stupid we I, all I, are. A lot of times, a lot. Of, <laughs> uh, oh, um, a lot of times I'll get like a one-hit wonder, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, how am I going to ask any questions other than the the, the one so song?" What's about, it like to dine out on one song for twenty years? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not to say that I haven't done my share of uh, interviews of one-hit wonder. Like I did Modern English, so. But um, no, I mean, just a lot of times people will throw. Uh, conditions on it uh, and, and i'd be like uh, you you could talk to this person but you can't ask them about anything from the 80s or the 90s or anything except for their current album and their current album sounds nothing like anything they've ever done before so pass pass so. but i'm not stuck in the 80s hi this is klaus Miner from the scorpions you're listening to stuck in the 80s but we're not stuck in the 80s because you check out our new album you man hour one and you figure out this is the Scorpions in 2007. Oh, my God. <laughs> ghost of the Scorpions. That's what haunts me forever. The, uh, so speaking of ghosts, the Ghost of Christmas Present, played by the great... Uh, what's her name? Carol Kane. Carol yeah, Kane. that's it. Uh, she's what, my favorite ghost. Calls. She's my favorite ghost. Hello, Frank. I'm the Ghost of Christmas Present. I had a funny feeling. Uh, why <laughs> did you do that? Sometimes you have to slap them in the face just to get their attention. Um, I read somewhere that she she really had a hard time uh, beating up on Bill Murray. It really well, upset her. And I guess at one point she pulled his lip so hard she ripped it. And they had to suspend taping for three or four days so it could heal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently uh, she was very upset about having to inflict violence but then didn't pull punches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Once she decided it was okay, she really went for it. Yeah, and apparently she, you know, um, she had like a, you know, would go on these crying jags. And uh, I have a quote here from Bill Murray oh, where he says, there's a piece of skin that connects um, your lip uh, with your gums, and it was really pulled away. She oh. really hurt. Yeah. Oh, man. It was my idea to be physical, and it was her idea just to hit me as opposed to pulling the punches. <laughs> and uh, he was asked whether he would work with her again. And, you know, I don't know if he meant it or not, but he said, uh, over my dead, lifeless body. <laughs> <laughs> you never know him. He, you would never know whether or not he's oh, I'm to. sure. I'm sure he, they were fine with it. Yeah. It's just he's always going to go for the laugh. Yeah. And, and of course, the, 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 uh, the Ghost of Christmas Future played by... Somebody who stopped by the grocery store and bought costume components there. Yeah, yeah. wasn't it just a, it's just a, bad. I don't know. It's maybe a seven, it was okay it's then. Latex puppets. Yeah, a seven foot tall rack of television sets, basically. Right. Hey, somebody dressed in a cheap Grim Reaper costume. And then my personal favorite, Bob Cat Goldthwait, playing Elliot Loudermilk, who I guess is supposed to be some sort of Jacob Marley. 
Yeah, uh-huh. it's kind of like a drunken gun-toting sidekick. Oh, boy. None of me, boss! Yeah, you can the day before Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hello, rabbit. <laughs> Would you give me a running start? Sure. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. <laughs> you know, well, Bobcat Goldthwait plays pretty straight. You know, it's I've kept waiting for the voice to come out. Yeah. Um, oh, let me know if the dogs are really bothering you, and I I can kick <laughs> them out. But um, so yeah, David Johansson, uh, that role of the ghost of the ghost of Christmas Past was originally supposed to be Sam Kinison. But uh, I guess David Johansson and Bill Murray are friends, and that's why that happened. Really? But Sam Kinison, I guess, I don't know, I guess he had some feud with uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. And I don't know, it was all sort of gossipy stuff. But huh. uh, I thought he was really, he, he was good in this. I mean, he was, he was really hot at this point in his career, you know, after, did this predate the uh, Police Academy movies? Um, uh, yeah. No, this was during the Police Academy movie yeah. time. Right. And then, so, you know, he was in Hot to Trot and all that stuff. Oh, God. Unwatchable. <laughs> Unwatchable. This was the final feature film of uh, John Houseman, a.k.a. Professor Kingsfield. Is it really? Oh, my gosh. What a way to go. I know. America's favorite old fart. <laughs> um, I, I loved him in Paper Chase. Um, one of the final films of actress Anne Ramsey. I can't remember if it was this or uh, Throw Mama from the Train. They were both about the same period of time. Yeah, I think this one was later. uh, And I think they even dedicated it to her. It was. She was among three or four people died um, as a result of this movie. Oh. So this is like the death movie. (laughs) Yeah, this is the poltergeist of uh, Christmas movies. And then, of course, there's this beautiful role of all these great cameo um, appearances. Lee Majors. Uh, Mary Lou Retton, Jamie Farr, who's in there. You don't. He doesn't even say a word. You just see like a little glimpse of him on a TV promo. Yeah, uh, and Robert, he's, in like, he's in the background at, at the end, I think. Right. So uh, there's a Robert Goudier, uh Buddy Hackett. The, don't forget, uh, you know, Miles street. Davis and Paul Schaefer. Miles Davis is a street musician. I'm like, how did they get him to do that? Why don't the cops do something about this? Excuse me, please. Great. Rip off the hicks, why don't you? Did you learn the song yesterday? I think it... See, that's why it's it's such an 80s movie to me, because it's just so full of, like, this sort of stunt type of casting. Yeah. And, like, the the movie's... is uh, Subtlety is not one of its strong (laughs) spots. And that's, you know... The night the reindeer died. (laughs) And it just seems like so... that promo. Like that would have never happened in the '70s, a movie like this, and it, you know, in the, in the '90s, like I think people's sense of comedy got a little more subtle. I think it's still kind of gutsy. I mean, you, you take a classic that people love, and you and you turn it into a comedy, and you have Bill Murray basically his at that point in time that was his trademark style of acting. You know, he hadn't yet quite developed into the uh, the, the version of him that we know now, much more subtle. Right, right. Um, but uh, to, and then the, and then to have references to nipples. <laughs> yeah, it was probably everyone's first exposure to the standards and practices department. Yeah, it's very it's very light on a sentimental scale to me. Really? 
Yeah. You think so? Yeah. I mean, you can't really. I, I was thinking about this because as I was rewatching it at the end, I'm like, oh, this is just, uh, it's just not very great. But that's the source material. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're unhappy with the model and ending, then what are you doing watching this movie? I mean, I, I like. Ahead. I love Michael J. Pollard in it. Is that what his name is? Michael uh, Pollard, the guy. Oh, who's the free- guy who's the guy. The all have the California plate guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. The the um the homeless guy who. Uh, oh, okay. Who and you know who's like the the turning point for for uh, Bill Murray? You know, uh, spoiler. Oh, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, he <laughs> he freezes. He's the guy who freezes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, he was in like Bonnie and Clyde. And, um, but you know that's a nice moment for Bill Murray. But then, like, just he goes from the ghost of Christmas future, where he sees his own funeral, like, and he's still kind of a jerk through the the whole thing. And then, just on a dime, it's like the like everything's fine. You know, I just don't believe it at all. It's and but you bought the ghosts. Well, it's the same uh, story. <laughs> it's, it all happened in one night. I mean, it's not. It doesn't. It hasn't changed any from. Oh. From Dickens' original version, I mean, maybe they should have. Scrooge changes like overnight. Character made enough of a like it was too quick of a change. It, it wasn't earned, I don't think. I, then, I'll say this: the whole scene, you know, where they go to the Ghost of Christmas Past and they take him back to see his family and stuff like that, and um, he goes Niagara Falls, Frankie, I, and and you see Murray like attempting to cry, which has got to be some of the worst fake crying I've ever seen. <laughs> you're, but but you're right, Marty. When when he's when he's beneath the street and he sees his fr- his frozen buddy and he kind of goes, Liz says hi. And it's this kind of moment where you're like, that's all he can say because all he can, all he knows how to do is make jokes. Right, right. And that's the only. So that's to me that's my favorite line in the movie. Yeah, uh, Liz yeah. says hi. The way he delivers it, it's just that's all he can do. That's. His, that's the only way he knows how to show compassion is to try to get a, a cheap laugh. And it's, it's a great moment. And he does start to turn around there when you see him watching his own funeral and realizes that it's him in a casket and he starts kicking. And he, to me, that's the most terrifying moment of the movie when, when he's in a casket and he starts to see his feet catch on fire and stuff like that. You know, that's where I start to kind of maybe get a little bit caught up in it, but I kind of appreciate the fact that it's not milking me for a, uh, for you know, I, I like to cry as much as anybody does, but I appreciate this is a movie that doesn't necessarily go out of bounds trying to do it. You know, okay. Did if you, you find cry this... when everyone wants to know? Did you cry when you saw no. it the first time? No, nope. No. The other or, thing that you know, at the end of this, you know, you've got him being earnest in the studio, and you've got Bobcat Goldthwait in the control booth with the shotgun, basically threatening people. So. Yeah, and chasing chasing him through the the building, just like putting holes in everything, and <laughs> it's like that. You can't get away with those. That wouldn't be funny anymore. You can't you know? joke about yeah, that no, sort of no. thing anymore. No. Yeah, or when you saw the in the beginning, there's a promo for uh, his version of Scrooge that has like you know worldwide terrorism, and you see an airplane explode in you know yeah in, in flight. They do that and, yeah, like, yeah and it's, it's very shocking to see that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of moments that are truly 80s um, in this movie. Obviously, the inclusion of those is very 80s ish. The solid gold dancers have been making their appearance. <laughs> that is hysterical. I mean, that is a moment trapped in time. Richard Donner is such uh, he's kind of the quintessential 80s director. You know, he directed Goonies, um, 
Lady Hawk, uh, Lethal Weapon, which you know redefined the action movies. Even though he had been a director for decades, you know, from TV, he directed Twilight Zones and and all sorts of you know episodics. But uh, Gillian's Island too, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a, uh, a reference to the SS Minnow in uh, in the movie. Yeah, There's a true. lot of little tiny subtle references to people's previous careers in this movie. But um, but I mean, wouldn't you say that? Richard Donner is like one of the quintessential '80s directors. Sure, I forgot about Lady Hawk. I love me some. How Lady could you Hawk. forget Lady Hawk? <laughs> Lady Hawk her. is has one of the worst soundtracks of all time. It's just like this ripping guitar, like electric guitar, like and there, meanwhile, it takes place in this sort of medieval time. It just it it's so distracting to me. But that's another podcast. Yeah, that's another podcast. I don't know. Yeah, There's, when we get to Lady Hawk, we're pretty close to the end. I yeah, think. <laughs> episode four hundred. The there's all the uh, free South Africa stickers and posters. Um, yeah, that they focus in on, and I say that with all reverence, as we are just a few days uh, past the death of Nelson Mandela. And then there's the. Uh, I didn't know this was a snafu until I was reading it online. The Christmas scene where Bill Murray gives Karen Allen a set of knives. Um, Ginsu knives. Um, ever the romantic. <laughs> yeah, ever. I've never given a woman twelve sharp knives before. The um, Ginsu knives didn't go on sale until 1978, and it didn't even go under the name Ginsu until 1983. And so, that's why I hate the movie. Because of Ginsu knives. Yep, it just ruined it for me. It took you me know, right out of it. And the other thing is, it's bad luck to give knives as a gift. If someone gives you a knife as a gift, you're supposed to give them a penny. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I swear to God, I've never heard that. Come on, I can't keep teaching you this stuff. Come on. I don't think I've ever given anybody knives. I've given lots of bad Christmas gifts, but not knives. (laughs) You've left a few Christmas parties with a knife in your back, but it wasn't necessarily a gift. Um, Speaking of which, does anyone recall the worst Christmas gift you've ever given a romantic partner? Uh, I I think I gave, uh, obviously, an ex-girlfriend a Flash t-shirt. You know the superhero. She, I, she never wore it. Yeah. Is that is that a hint? You want? I want you to run away as fast as you possibly can. Uh, well, maybe it was subliminal because it worked. Um, I can't really uh, think of anything off the top of my head, but that's probably because I've just blocked that stuff out. I, I went through a period of time where I used to give stuffed animals. For some reason, I thought that was cute. Here's a stuffed animal. And only years later did I realize that's probably the. Next to giving someone a thigh master, it's probably the worst thing. <laughs> I got you a diet book. Um. <laughs> and a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Since we're on the subject of questions, let me ask you this. Um, I, I warned you ahead of time I was going to have some interesting questions. Uh, Brad, I'm, for, for both of you, we'll start with Brad. If you were visited by a ghost of Christmas past, um, is there a specific year or an 80s event that, you're, that you think your ghost would make you revisit? So um, I thought about that, and um, I don't think – well, I, I can't really think of an 80s Christmas that I would be taken back. I mean, I'm assuming this would be to show me something, you know, to give me some insights, right? This isn't just, hey, look, you had turkey this year, but the next year you had ham. So um, in 1991, uh, I was unemployed at Christmas. I was chasing a couple job offers, but nothing was really coming in. So I was living off unemployment, which was something stupid like – you know, hundred hundred twenty dollars a week, and no romantic prospects to speak of. I, mean, I hadn't been at a date in forever, and so I was looking pretty bleak. Um, 
and uh, I decided kind of at the last minute because I didn't really have anything else going on. Uh, I decided to splurge on the gas and drive up to see my sister who had just split up from her husband. So she's living in this tiny little apartment by herself and I got basically nothing going on, you know, anyway. So I drive up there and we spent Christmas together and, um, uh, we went to the movies. Um, I think we went and saw, um, we went and saw the Fisher King. Um, no, no great significance there, but we went to the movies, whatever. Uh, but I always have this memory of that Christmas, of, um, you know, life is kind of crummy uh, and things are not that great, but uh, I got to come up and spend the weekend with my sister and literally two weeks later, I started a new job. I meet the woman that I'm married to today still. Um, and I, I just didn't realize that I was on the cusp of this major life change at that point see your own uh funeral happen but before that happened no I, I didn't uh i didn't see that no but uh i think about that christmas almost every year because you know that was a time when my life wasn't going that great and i still had a really good christmas i have fond memories of um i mean my life is pretty good right now i mean really i have nothing to complain about that's, that's awesome um, but i would think that if somehow i forgot that uh, that the ghost of Christmas past would haul me back to that Christmas to kind of show me what it's all about. So, so what are you, Marty? Is there a, do you have a Niagara Falls Frankie moment that your ghost would take you back to? I see my memories are, are much less, uh, meaningful. I, I think back to, uh, in college there was, I, I was on the fencing team and, uh, we had a, a Christmas party. And then afterwards I, I, uh, went back to the dorm room of one of the other uh, fencers on the the women's team. And uh, I think I was just very nervous. It was fun, but I, I could have been a little... I think I would be better these days. I mean, <laughs> knowing what I know now. For, uh, how old work work would, would improve with practice? Yeah, exactly. Prefer the foil to the saber? Um, yeah. But that's the first thing that came into my mind because it was a Christmas memory and uh, it was a very – it was a fond memory. So, yeah, um, I think I would re- revisit it just to revisit it again. Um, there's two that come to mind for me. What, if I have to make it an 80s moment, um, back when I was in college in the late 80s, there was a summer that I worked as a, a short order cook in Gainesville for this breakfast restaurant called Knife and Fork. And I worked there just Saturdays and Sundays. And I had to get up like at five in the morning, and I'd work till noon or one. And it was grueling, you know, just not fun at all. And the pay wasn't that good. But I, I don't know what kept me going. But one, one of my fraternity brothers was also a waiter there, so it was kind of cool. So you know, we we could chat during between the rushes and stuff like that. And it did teach me how to make omelets and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's, there's that to be said. <laughs> Life skills. I didn't yeah. realize that. If it, when in a pinch, you can always deep fry the bacon. You know, that's what we used to do if, if we had a rush on bacon. Throw it in the deep fryer. The, um, but um, one Friday night, I got really tanked at my fraternity house. And I just – which I never did on weekends when I had to work and stuff. And I think I went to bed like at 3 in the morning – and so the the alarm clock rings at five, and I basically just call work and say, um, "I'm not coming in today. I can't. I'm sick." And I go back to to sleep. Well, it turns out that the other cook also was out that week, 
So basically, because of me calling in sick, they had to shut the restaurant for the day. Oh, and, and my fraternity brother never forgave me for it because I mean he was I mean, he lost a whole day's pay for it. The whole business like really t- I mean, had to close for. I mean, a, a restaurant just doesn't close for a day. I mean, it kills their reputation. Right. Um, I, I was so humiliated. I felt so bad about it that I, I quit. You know, I just basically said, look, I, I feel awful for what I did. I just I can't come back to work. I just I can't face you guys knowing what I did. And so I never went back. I never ate there again. I never even like go down that street again because I was I felt so bad about that. I should have just sucked it up and gone in there or I shouldn't have drank that much the night before. So I, I feel like a major league dick for that. And and I mean I don't have a, a you know, Frisbee the dog moment like Frank Cross, but you know every time I go eat breakfast somewhere, you know, at a greasy spoon type place, you know, I think of the knife and fork and I, and I, and I always feel bad about that. Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give it there. That got dark. <laughs> no, it's. I think it's gone. I mean, Gainesville's a college town. There's turnover in restaurants. Yeah, good job, Steve. Yeah. If there's yeah, another moment, if there's really another bad moment that I, I wish I could go back and redo, it'd be uh, my dad's funeral. I back in 2007, I didn't get up and say a word at it. I sat in the back of the church and just clammed up and pretended like I wasn't there. And then. Not a day, not a Christmas goes by, or Thanksgiving that I don't think, oh God, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. I should have. You should say something at your at your father's funeral, and I didn't do it. So if uh, you know David Johansson ever shows up, he's got his choice between uh, my dad's funeral or the knife and fork. Maybe you'll get both. I think that is totally forgivable, Steve, because yeah. I, I know that it's a huge regret, but it's also you're going through your own things, and it's you know, uh, you as the son, it's. You know, you you get to to experience that loss, you know, more deeply than you know just about anybody there. So that's that's your private moment. I guess I don't know. You should not beat yourself up for that. Yeah, I, I would agree all. with Marty on that one. Beating myself up is what I do, though. That's like my pastime. That and deep frying <laughs> bacon, <laughs> and then beating yourself up afterwards <laughs> yeah. for deep frying yeah. bacon. Yeah, I still say remember the smell of that. Yeah, only one... I think I misunderstood the question. I didn't think that I didn't know we were t- trying to dig up stuff that we had regrets about. I thought we were going like talking about specific Christmases. So. No, See, no, all don't... my regrets I've just buried away and forgotten, <laughs> and uh, it just makes going through life so much easier. Uh, but I still manage to beat myself up for other things. You know what I like to beat myself up with right now? A uh, giant salami. The seggies. <laughs> What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Um, mm, I think I, it's mystery McCarthy moment. It is. I swear, I, I think we only have maybe one McCarthy movie left in the 80s. So, well, the, Fresh Horses, <laughs> is that right? That's probably Fresh Horses. I think that's the only yeah. one we haven't so, hit. Good luck me finding a clip of that anywhere. Pay attention. Here's the clip from our last show. I know that. You know that. Nobody else knows that. Huh? Oh! Yeah, Weekend at Bernie's. An underrated classic, I should say. No? Uh, no? <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it if it's on. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, and, and Andrew McCarthy is, is uncharacteristically funny in that movie. Yeah, he plays, he, the, ba- yeah, he plays the, the funnier of the two. Yeah, he's the crazy yeah. one. Yeah. So, so be it. Brad, who are the winners? 
Uh, winners include Crash from Long Beach, Kevin Farrell, and Irish Dave in Allentown. And also, there was a young man by the name of Marty Yu who wrote us a nice little note saying, "Oh, that's oh that guy's a, that guy's a great guy. He's, he's a, great. He's a gem." Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. I feel like we're a million miles away from home. Oh, it's just the other side of the hill. If you know it, email us at stuck in the. 80s at gmail.com. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people type in stuck in the and then spell out 80s. <laughs> or steven the 80s at gmail.com or brad in the 80s at gmail.com. Ah, <laughs> uh, the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. Hey, we'll play a snippet of a song from the 80s. And if we can get it right, Brad will uh, read your name and we'll do nothing more. Because uh, we have nothing else to give this year, do we? Uh, well, not. Not on this podcast, no. Our undying gratitude. A hearty handshake. Yes. Pay attention. Here's the song from our last show. Ah, that's Put a Little Love in Your Heart by Annie Lennox and Al Green. Yeah, I'm glad some people got this one because I wasn't sure I gave you enough to work with. Uh, it was a pretty short clip. I will say we had fewer responses to this last show than I than we've had in a while. So hmm. either people are getting tired of Andrew McCarthy movies, or um, maybe they're trapped under something heavy. Yeah, or it's or it's the holiday season where our listenership tends to to, to to dwindle a little bit. So who were the winners? Our winners include Cecil Cahoon, Rob Stroh, Billy Hobbs, Just Alex, and Tim in Harrisburg, PA. I remember watching Scrooge and just with my arms closed, you know, crossed and just like, you know, huffing and puffing uh, until he sings that song at the end, you know, when he's on live TV and, you know, <laughs> and has, you know, the whole TV station network is holding him hostage and he starts singing this song and that's when I was just like, this is the stupidest movie ever. Ouch! Hello? Um, control room, how can I help you? This is Ryan Lander. I want to talk to the idiot who put that moron on the air. Oh, um, Bryce Cummings is the idiot, really sir, but he can't talk to you right now because, uh, he's tied up. Uh-huh. Yes, in fact, he just said that you were a flatulating butthead. A butthead. He said he never felt that way about a man before, but he really liked you in a certain way. I didn't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> um, so, like, whenever I hear that song, uh, whatever version, I just think of that moment and I, I, I just you shudder. It, I, I got to admit, I don't like the ending of this movie. I, that, it's a that, mess. It's, a, it's, 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 it's just a sloppy mess. It's like they lost the script. They're like, just yeah. improv. Bill, can you give us ten minutes? <laughs> Uh, there is a line in there I like, though. There is a line in there I like. That the, for a few hours, we are the people we always hoped we would be. I'm not crazy. It's Christmas Eve. It's, it's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We, we, we smile a little easier. We, 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 we cheer a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, 
We are the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. It's really a sort of a miracle because it happens every Christmas Eve. And if you waste that miracle, you're going to burn for it. I know what I'm talking about. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having, having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's a great, that great no, line. That's a good line, but boy, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad around it. Yeah. Uh, I have a quote here from Bill Murray from uh, an interview on Starlog. He said, uh, we shot a big, long, sloppy movie, so there's a great deal of material that didn't even end up in the film. It just didn't work. I mean, he admits that it was just a sloppy mess, but they, you know, they edited it into the movie that it should be. You know, I just maybe it's I have a problem with the source material. I mean, I think it kind of is. Again, this probably is the the quintessential '80s Christmas movie, just because it is so so '80s. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and to to be fair, I mean, I'm I am one of the few people who truly love it. It was only the 13th highest grossing movie of '88. I think it made about 60 million dollars. Siskel and Ebert um, gave it a mixed review. Gene Siskel gave it a thumbs up. Roger Ebert gave it a thumbs down. Ebert he panned when, it when he wrote it in his review for the Chicago Sun Times. He wrote, "Quote: Scrooge is one of the most disquieting, unsettling films to come along in quite some time. It was obviously intended as a comedy, but there is little comic about it. And indeed, the movie's overriding emotions seem to be pain and anger." This entire production seems to be in dire need of visits from the ghosts of Christmas. Ooh. So, that sucker could write. Well, pal. Yeah. Before I forget, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. If you know it, email us. Stuckintheeties at gmail.com. Steve in the 80s. Brad in the 80s at gmail.com. And tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. I got it. All right, it's time for Reader Mailbag, oddly placed at the end of the seggies for a very good reason. Uh, this week's letter is from Kevin in Oldsmar, Florida. If you're wondering where Oldsmar is, uh, Tampa Bay. Oh. <laughs> do, you know, do you know Kevin? Have you met him? I don't know Kevin, but I know Oldsmar very well. Very good. Okay, it reads as follows. Steve, Brad, and Marty, thank you. Uh, in addition to finally thinking I have the answer to your seggies, is it Weekend at Bernie's for the MMM and put a little love in your heart from Annie Lennox and the Reverend Al Green? I just want to thank you guys for an outstanding podcast. I just got into podcasts about a year and a half ago and found your show this past February when you did the 16 Candle Show. I'm a longtime subscriber to the St. Pete uh, Tampa Bay Times and remembered seeing the promos for your program long before I even knew what a podcast was. I was instantly hooked on the Stuck in the 80s because I thought the chemistry between you two and Marty you was excellent on 16 Candles. Sounded like how my buddies and I would discuss a movie like that. Of course, that movie will forever be an awkward one uh, for my mom since she took me to see it in the theater when I was eight as it had a PG rating. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Needless to say, after the shower scene, she was probably cursing the MPAA for their rating while I gained a newfound appreciation for the female form. Nice manners. Yes. After listening to that episode, I started going back in time on your shows. First, I just listened to a few shows before the 16 Candles podcast and realized that you guys had a big change last year. 
Then I listened to some random shows in 2012 with Sean Daly and was thoroughly entertained with those as well. I traveled back in time further around to the beginning of 2011 when I eventually heard the 200th episode show that included all the outstanding stories. Mama, no! The bags of rum at the concert, the Huey Lewis takedown of Sean, etc. And finally decided I had to tackle the entire series. So I started at number one with Steve and Gina. I listened to about three or four a week and have made it to episode 131 thus far and hope to get fully caught up by spring. Man, that's it's been a blast there. to hear the show evolve through different hosts. Uh, the addition of the segments, the top ten shows, etc. Uh, little details demonstrate your improvement. Such as before episode 90 or so, uh, when you unveiled the answer to the prior week's Name the 80s tune, uh, there was not a longer clip of music so that those of us who couldn't name that tune in two beats could finally have a chance to recognize the song. Now, of course, you play a longer snippet. It's just proof that you have all worked hard at your craft and continually improved. That is much appreciated. I hope that the end of the 80s songs podcasts and your impending 300th episode is not foreshadowing the end of Stuck in the 80s. I believe there are still more nuggets of 80s lore for you guys to mine and share with the rest of us devoted listeners. So thanks again. Keep up the good work. And I will remain with you guys stuck in the 80s. Best regards, Kevin F. Oldsmar, Florida. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, great letter. Yeah. I think that I think everybody uh, who's listened has gone through that experience. You know, I started, I think, episode 30 or 40 and then went back and listened to the entire library. And it was great. Yeah, it was a little easier when there are only you know thirty to get through, but right. Yeah, um, episode one thirty one where he's at about now, he's in a really good spot because I think we were we were on a roll then. I think we were like doing one show a week, and they were all about we had like pretty much an unlimited still cat- catalog of things that we could talk about. We were starting yeah. to do skits at that point, and uh, uh, we were really rolling. So well, I have to say that uh, as a as a fan of the show, as a listener of the show, the, since you moved to Orlando, Steve, the, the show has certainly evolved, but it's also achieved its own level of greatness. And it's, it's so much fun to listen to every week. Uh, I don't listen when I'm on, but uh, everyone else is, is great. You don't listen when you're so, on? No. Yeah, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a hard time. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I, when I listen to it myself afterwards, you know, I, I tend to fast if I know that I'm about to tell a long story. I tend to fast forward through it. I, I don't like the sound of my voice, so um, I know I know how you kind of feel about that. So, well, to what to his point about the series ending, the podcast ending, there are so much more stuff we can talk about. I know that I know Steve, you talk about oh, I don't see this podcast lasting longer than the decade we're covering, but I think we can do it. I think there's a lot out there. Well, especially since we're only doing about two a month now. Instead of yeah, I mean, we're doing good months. to do one every other week right now. That's, I mean, that's, I, I feel like we're kind of hitting our spots if we do that. Yeah, any more than that, I start to, you know, I can see the, the look of pain on my girlfriend's face when I say I have to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to disappear for four hours and go work on a podcast. My, my family is like, I thought we were going to decorate the Christmas tree tonight. I'm like, we are as soon as I record a podcast. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, no. Are you doing your tree tonight? <laughs> yeah, well, I got the lights on yesterday and we're going to decorate it today. Oh, man, I feel bad now. Well, no, you shouldn't. No, because we also discussed Christmas. We discussed a Christmas movie. That's good. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to take my new Hallmark ornament, the uh, Pea Green Family Queen Super Truckster ornament, and I'm going to hang that bad boy in the tree. I need to get one of those. 
I definitely need to get one of those. It's too bad you didn't win the contest. Or but you can buy them online, right? Somewhere. Yeah, you can get them. In, you can get them at the Hallmark store. Oh my god, I gotta find some. I actually, I need some. I need like an '80s Christmas tree that has nothing but '80s ornaments on it. That would be cool. Or it'd be the height of silliness. I don't know. That would be. <laughs> that, that would be fantastically awkward. When you mentioned that. Cool was not in the top hundred descriptors. Of <laughs> what I was thinking. Look, I mean, I've been doing this for eight years. I don't. There's nothing about my life that I think is cool. I mean, if I mean, it's. I've accepted the fact that I'm the king of the nerds, you know, and that's just I'm. I'm okay being the farmer Ted of the '80s. So basically, what this podcast is is we're just in the men's room taking a dollar from the freshmen so that you can show people someone's underwear. Exactly. <laughs> Way to put it in Steve's terms. <laughs> you know, he said King of the Nerds. I'm just, you know, you could come back next podcast as a totally different person, Steve. We'll be right back after this commercial break. It's a world of celebration, of stockings hung in expectation, of winking lights and wintry wonderlands. M&M's go with the season. Moms and Santas know the reason. M&M's melt in your mouth, not in your hand. All the world loves M&M's. They're a world of pure milk chocolate joy. All the world loves M&M's. They're neat to eat, fun to share. A part of Christmas everywhere. They go hand in hand with fun for everyone. They're a world of pure milk chocolate joy. All the world loves M&M's. They go hand in hand with fun for everyone. M&M's chocolate candies. The milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Um, as Kevin F. of Oldsmar, Florida um, uh, mentioned, we're, we are at the cusp of episode 300. Woohoo! True fact. And so Brad and I have been actually uh, racking our brains for, God, months now, trying to come up with an idea of uh, what did we can do because we've done. What was that, Lassie? <laughs> Timmy says, don't do stuck in the well. <laughs> Timmy says, call it quits now. We've been we've done just about everything. We've we've I, I think um I think episode one hundred might have been our clips of our favorite interviews. Yeah, um, I mean clip show is kind of a tradition, but yeah, yeah we we struggled with what you know what what's the theme of the clip show because favorite clips has kind of been done. Yeah, we've done it. So uh, we have an idea finally, and it's going to take some work. They're really going at it. So do we want to let the cat out of the bag, Brad, and kind of tell them what we're thinking or no? I think you should, yeah. I think you should tell them that, uh, you know, that we've got something. Okay, something well, here's cool the like. thing. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's an anniversary show of sorts, so I don't mind being a little self-indulgent. And um, we're going to honor our favorite skits of Stuck in the 80s history. Oh, so it's going to be like a three-minute show? 
Yeah, it's like an elevator version. You can listen to it between so, your car I, and the office. I, I'm sorry, but I love one of my favorite parts of doing the podcast is coming up with a skit idea, and then and then spending like three or four hours doing production on what essentially is 90 seconds of audio. And um, uh, can I go ahead? Can I just give like th- there is no. A skit, opening skit for this episode. But Steve did write one. Can, do you mind if I read it? <laughs> Go ahead. Do you mind if I read it? All right. Skit, colon. Sound of gunfire. Steve's body slumps to the ground. The end. It's like a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to see if anybody was reading the show notes. <laughs> You're a couple syllables off here or there, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Christmas haiku. Um, we... <laughs> We've been doing skits Damn. for almost <laughs> almost since like episode like maybe the first hundred episodes we didn't have a skit, I don't think. You should ask I'm telling you, we should ask Kevin if he just has listened to them. Like, you know, hook us up, Kevin yeah. an old car. Kevin, tell us when the first skit we did was. Um we started doing them as a device for introducing um shows that the where the topic was just kind of a little complicated and we figured we had to sort of like just come out and explain it to you. And so we started doing it for that reason because we just felt like if we if we start playing a song by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, you're going to think, oh, they're doing a Frankie Goes to Hollywood song uh, podcast. Well, no, it's about something else completely. So we've been doing them now for almost, you know, almost the entire length of the podcast. And, and for the most part, nobody ever comments on the skits. And my God, it really breaks my heart every time. So what we're going to do is we're going to pull together our, probably our 10 favorite skits from Stuck in the 80s History. And we'll tell you the story uh, behind the production of them because some of them are kind of funny. And they, they didn't turn out the way we meant them to turn out. Um, the Red Scare well, it gives, podcast. It gives us, a chance to, gives us a chance to talk about those episodes. Yeah. So who knows? It'll, it'll be fun. And, um, you know, if, so if you have a favorite skit that we've done over the years, um, let us know. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll conclude your letter and um, put you in our rankings. And if you have a violent aversion to this idea, then please let us know soon <laughs> so that we don't record yeah, this. Yeah, well, episode angry. 301 won't be that far away. And I know we've got some uh, great ideas for the next uh, few episodes after that. Yeah. Any chance of hearing from hosts of Christmas Past? There, there is a chance. Um, there's always a chance. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, that would be great, obviously. And, yeah, um, yeah. I know, I know some of the things we're talking about doing, um, after episode 300, I know we're going to try to do a, um, uh, show about the twin cities, the music of the twin cities in the eighties with, uh, Dr. Dim as our host, co-host and, uh, yep. stuff like that. Um, the Beatles, the Beatles in the eighties, stuff like that. When do you get to do what? Oh. He wants, Marty wants in on the music. <laughs> I listen to Husker Du and The Replacements and Prince. Well, then we can all be on that show. No, I don't want to be on that. <laughs> no, I, want, I want to listen to that one so I can't be I, on it. Exactly. I do want to hear what uh, Dr. Tim has to It'll say. It'll be a good show. That. It'll be a fun show. So we, oh, yeah. We're, 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 we're cooking up some fun stuff uh, for after 300, but hopefully uh, indulge us with, with 300 and let us talk about our beloved skits. Yeah. I and, really want to get back to the, the Pop Culture Bust series, too. Yeah, that too. So. Um, in the meantime, uh, Scrooge, uh, have I changed anybody's minds about the greatness of it? No. <laughs> <laughs> then this is time well spent. Absolutely. It's not about us, Steve. It's about Marty. It's about Marty. Marty, thanks as always for, for coming on board and joining us for the show. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Bradley. Steven. 
uh, great show, even though you don't support my uh, beliefs about the greatness of Scrooge. No, it's I'll okay. Let it slide. It's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I, I know you're. I know you're itching to get away and help your family uh, put together a Christmas tree. I'm itching to get away and decorate a bottle of wild turkey. So uh, everyone have a great holiday season. Uh, look forward to episode 300 coming real soon. And in the meantime, we'll all remain here, right with Frank Cross, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly.